Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watts podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of April 15th through the 17th, 2022. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone is doing well out there. I don't really have a clever introduction, transition, referencing recent current events or anything, uh, so let's just go ahead and just hop straight into the numbers for this week, shall we? Uh, in first place for this weekend, we have Warner Brothers' latest entry to the Wizarding World franchise, Fantastic Beasts, The Secret of Dumbledore. Uh, it opened to $42.1 million in 4,208 theaters per theater average of $10,017. Made about $150 million overseas, uh, so its lifetime grosses is $192 million or so against a budget of about $200 million. That's about what box office pros had forecast of about $44.1 million, though for the franchise overall, this is pretty clearly a disappointment. Uh, the first film in the franchise opened to $74 million in 2016, and the second had $62 million in 2018. And all of those were lower than the even the lowest grossing uh, opening Harry Potter film, uh, which was $77 million. Uh, now, while the Rotten Tomatoes sco- uh, score of Secrets of Dumbledore um, 48% critics, 85% audiences, not perhaps as bad as Crimes of Grindelwald's 36% critics and 54% audience, it still has to pay for the sins of its predecessors, as well as combat various controversies around the Wizarding World architect J.K. Rowling, as well as actor Ezra Miller. Um, and it ended up with a B-plus scores B-plus cinema score, same with Crimes of Grindelwald, below the original's A cinema score. Uh, to put this opening another way, kind of for a point of reference, this one opened only about $2 million higher than Dune did, um, which Dune opened with an HBO Max standard release uh, when Delta was potentially surging across the country. Um, and, you know, and as another point of reference, uh, Secrets of Dumbledore opened only $12 million higher than Godzilla vs. Kong, which, again, was pretty much in the middle of the pandemic before most of the country was vaccinated and, again, had the end date release, which Secrets of Dumbledore does not. Um, and what's more, you know, it only opened opened 4 million higher than uh, Morbius did a couple weeks ago. So, you know, all things considered, this is not pretty pretty great for them. Uh, Where does Sequence of Dumbledore go from here? Well, Crimes of Grindelwald ended up with about 2.5x multiplier domestically and about 24.5% of its total gross being domestic, so definitely very international heavy. With those ratios, I'd expect maybe 105, maybe 100 million max for domestic gross and maybe 430 million or so internationally. Um, though that, that said, China having problems with the box office recently means that I expect that number to be maybe 400 million Um is probably like the ceiling of this film internationally. Now, if you go by a 2.5x breakout on budget, this will need to hit 500 million globally, which seems a little bit out of reach for all reasonable situations at this point. Does that mean that the Fantastic Beasts franchise is dead in the water with two more films supposedly uh, in the pipeline? I think it's a little bit too soon to say, but my unfounded and perhaps uh, wild conjecture is that in a world where IP is king, despite the controversy of J.K. Rowling and whatnot, Warner isn't going to easily let go of the franchise. I think it. I think with Z- David Zaslav, you know, who's famously known for being a bit of a penny pincher over at Discovery, with him taking uh, in charge of the now combined Warner Brothers Discovery, they may end up with uh, being a lot stricter when it comes to the budget of future films. I'd say maybe $150 max, maybe closer to 120 if they can, um, which, you know, if it can get to $400 million this time around, would probably be the break-even point of a hypothetical film with that budget. Um, and, you know, I think also, you know, while they may 
try to have a fourth film. Um, and I, I think it's too soon to say they're going to go for all five, obviously. It's going to be on a film-by-film basis. Um, I think they're going to keep an eye on doing other things with the franchise. You know, they had the reunion, for example, recently on HBO Max. So I think maybe a tel- television show or direct the HBO Max type of thing like they're doing with Game of Thrones, potentially. Um, I think the only thing really saving the film right now is it has a fairly strong international draw of the franchise. Um now, I will say that I personally probably won't be watching this one or any future Wizarding World films at this point. So I probably won't notice if it never gets comes if the fourth film never comes out. Um, now, someone did point out on the box office subreddit that it's kind of following a similar pattern to the DC Extended Universe with Man of Steel being a mediocre film to start off the franchise, uh, Batman vs. Superman being a sequel that was pretty bad, um, and then a third film like Justice League, uh, you know, that's maybe not as perhaps as bad as Batman versus Superman or the second film, but uh, definitely is done by having uh, this have this this building up to something grand and this falling sort. Uh, given we haven't seen a film like the Batfleck, uh, n- another film with with the Batfleck or Cavill Superman yet, uh, I'm wondering if the next Wizarding World film will be more like Wonder Woman or perhaps more like the upcoming trademark that looks to be the Flash film. Uh, anyway, moving on to second place for this week's box office, Sonic the Hedgehog dropped 59% in its second weekend, which is a bit steeper than what you'd normally expect for a normal box office, but I think the first Sonic film dropped only 55% in the second weekend, so and still went on to do pretty well given the tight budget. Um, it's made $29.3 million this weekend in 4,258 theaters, per theater average of 6,882, and a running total of 118.9 million domestically. Internationally, it's made another 69 million or so, nice. Um, It's now at 188 million globally. Um, Pacing ahead of the first film by about 12 million or so domestically, and with a budget of about 110 million or so, I think this one's probably going to uh, get to profitability um, sooner rather than later. Uh, third place goes to The Lost City, another Paramount film in its fourth weekend, making $6.2 million after dropping 31% in 3,430 theaters, per theater average of $1,814, running a total of $78.2 million domestic to date. It's finally started rolling out in a few more regions internationally and has made $5 million abroad, putting it at $83 million globally on a $74 million production budget. Uh, fourth place is a win for indie films with Everything Everywhere All at Once from A24, continuing its rollout nationwide, going from 1,200 to 2,200 theaters, and a gain of 2% overall to 6.2 million this weekend, per theater average of 2,787, for a running total of 17.7 million to date. Uh, looking at just per theater average, if it had the same number of theaters, it would have been about a 42% drop, um, you know, if the theater count had stayed the same, which honestly isn't that bad for a film's first wide release weekend drop. Um, and the fact that went from 6% uh, sixth place up to 4th place this weekend is also pretty amazing and so it has staying power um, the awards buzz f- for this is perhaps a little bit premature given the A24's track record but I did do analysis over on the R, on the R Oscar race subreddit looking at out of season nominees and it seems that every year there's at least one I would say maybe the uh, maybe the real contender for, for everything everywhere all at once would probably be Jordan Peele's Nope uh, coming out later this summer um, but it's, you know, it's worth noting though that everything everywhere all at once has already beaten all all the Best Picture nominees except for Dune and West Side Story in terms of box office gross. Um, and given that adult-oriented indie films um, haven't been doing super well over the pandemic, um, seeing this one break out uh, is definitely cause of celebration. I would say it can probably get to $30 million or so, um, and that would be a pretty big success, and make it the fourth highest-grossing A24 film of all time, behind Uncut, Uncut Gems at $50 million, Lady Bird at $48 million, and Hereditary at $44 million. 
Uh, rounding out the top five, we have Father Stu from Sony Pictures opening in 2,705 theaters with a $5 million opening for a per theater average of 1997. Uh, with Wednesday opening, it's made $7.7 million to date. Um, now, as with many inspirational Christian stories, generally it's not liked by critics at 43% on Rotten Tomatoes, but generally liked by audience who saw it at 95% and on Rotten Tomatoes and, on, and, an a, and an A on cinema score. Now, I would say it probably doesn't break out just because the fact that, you know, one, it's an R-rated film, um, uh, and two, um, you know, it's based on the Catholic story, which, you know, even if maybe you're outside, you might not realize it, but, you know, definitely the the people who tend to bust out and see kind of these evangelical Christian stories um, and that, that do surprisingly well at the box office generally tend to be uh, not Catholic, um, and so I think it's not the same kind of fan base that would drive this to success in that regard. Um, regardless, though, I think that Mark Wahlberg, who stars and produces the film, uh, put in millions of his own money uh, into this passing project, and I think he, start, he said in the interview he's starting up a production company focused on other faith-based stories um, with quote-unquote it not being all about the paycheck so you know this could definitely be I think we could see more of these even if they don't maybe have as much of a return on investment Outside the top five, well, first off, this is the first week in a long time we have not had uh, a superhero film in the top five on account of Morbius dropping 54% in its third weekend down to number six, running a domestic total of $65 million. Ambulance dropped 53% in its second weekend down to number seven. Um, we have another Indian film, KGF Chapter 2, that had a limited release from Viva Entertainment, opened it to $2.8 million in 510 theaters for a per theater average of 5637 More on them a little later in the global numbers. Uh, Kanto ended its domestic run at $96 million, presumably the most popular film uh, ever to make less than $100 million at the domestic box office. And then Spider-Man Spider No Way Home finally dropped out of the top 10 for the first time uh, in its 18th weekend. Um, so it had 17 weeks in a row in the top 10, which is one weekend sort of my big fat Greek weddings record at 18 weeks, um, ahead of Frozen and Chicago at 16 weeks and Avatar at 15 weeks. Uh, and then finally, The Batman, which I believe at this point should be on HBO Max, now uh, is currently sitting at 365 domestic, 752 million worldwide. Overall, the wrestling box office this weekend tallied uh, 107 million total, um, which may be a step down from last week's 119 million, but is actually fairly close to 2019's equivalent weekend, which had 110 million this time. Uh, I guess at this point, three years ago, um, with you know the opening of Little and from Universal Little and. Hellboy from Lionsgate, not two of the most memorable films, so it kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I'll take anything that suggests we're coming back to normalcy. Um, this coming weekend, we have a bunch of films coming out. Uh, first up, we have DreamWorks animated film Bad Guys opening wide. Box Office Post has them forecasted at 10 to 15 million, uh, with 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Robert Eggers' Viking Revenge Epic The Northman opens as well from Focus Features. Um, Box Office Post has it at 5 to 10 million, with 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and then Lionsgate Medical comedy The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, starring Nicolas Cage as Nicolas Cage, opens wide, opens wide this weekend, uh, 6 to 11 million from Box Office Pros, 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, looks like a good weekend for cinema this weekend coming up. Now, looking at the international box office, as we know, the Fantastic Beasts opened $150 million worldwide. Um, 71 million of that uh, was this past weekend in over 50 markets. About 40% of them uh, less than, well, 40% less than the last two installments overall. Um, again, this is impacted by China's theaters being half shut down uh, and studios boycotting Russia at the moment. But still, it was number one in 52 markets and 41 of 44 new markets this weekend. Uh, top markets are Germany, Japan, UK, China, and Australia. Um, it's also about 26% ahead of Dune thus far and slightly behind the Batman overseas. 
Uh, meanwhile, Sonic 2 has crossed 100 million worldwide overseas uh, in 54 markets, with several more still to open out. Um, the Lost City expanded to 33 markets overseas, and the Bad Guys has hit $50 million in its uh, pre-US release uh, run overseas. Now, The Northman also had a small release in 15 markets for $3.4 million to date. Um, Ghostbusters Afterlife cost $200 million worldwide. Um, Sing 2 hit $403.8 million worldwide, passing Eternals as the 8th highest grossing Hollywood film from last year. And The Batman, as we noted, hit $750 million. Now, one fun fact, you know, if you want to kind of compare this film, people have been saying it's not as successful as No Way Home, therefore it's a failure. I think No Way Home is a really high bar to hold up against. I think something like uh, Spider-Man Homecoming is probably a more apt comparison. And there it's a little bit more favorable. You know, they're both films that are you know kind of reintroducing a character we've seen before, um, but in their own, you know, unique, uh, in their own own story. Um, now, you know, the past couple of weeks of the box office has been, you know, kind of marred by, um, you know, COVID kind of running over in Asia, specifically China and Korea. And of course, the conflict in Ukraine, uh, um, with the Russian invasion. Um, now, you know, overall, if you take out all of those four uh, regions, um, Spider-Man, Batman ends up at $725 million, while Spider-Man Homecoming is at $629 million for uh, its, its overall run. So definitely, I think, a little bit more of success for the Batman than others might make you believe. Um, now, India has another big hit after RRR a few weeks back. Um, the aforementioned KGF Chapter 2, making $70 million or so globally and about $58.3 million overseas. This is the second largest four-day opening since it opened on Thursday um, after Bahubali 2 a few years back in India and overtakes RRR as the third and four-day total for an Indian film. Apparently, it's made more than the first KGF film's entire week earnings uh, in a single weekend. Um, you know, there's another Indian film, The Beast, uh, that made 17.8 million in India and 26 million worldwide, including a US release. Definitely love hearing about these films breaking out in the international marketplace and even opening here in the States on the same weekend. Uh, one reason I wish I would do that more would be China, um, but you know, over, oh, sorry, in Japan. Um, but you know, over in Japan, they had Detective Conan's 25th film making 15.9 million US in its three-day opening, the top 10 opening of all time, or in the top 10 of all time, um, and the seventh and the highest opening of the year so far since Jujutsu Kaisen opened late 2021. Um, it's number seven on that list of. Uh, highest opening weekend in terms of revenue, number 13 in terms of total admissions. Um, and, you know, it's also number three for all Detective Conan film openings and the number three of all April openings, which happens to be because uh, the two before it in April were also Detective Conan films. Um, presumably, it could be the highest grossing in the franchise if it passes 93.7 billion yen or about 72 million US dollars, um, which is entirely possible given the Golden Week holidays are coming up soon. Uh, speaking of, Jujutsu Kaisen hit 17 weeks in the top 10 about 300,000 away from hitting the top 15 films of all time in Japan. And then since it's relevant, you know, to this weekend, Secrets of Dumbledore held pretty well, about 36% drop, which isn't surprising given that Harry Potter 5, Order of the Phoenix, is the third highest opening a three-day weekend of all time in Japan. And then as far as upcoming releases, Dragon Ball Super Superhero is rescheduled for a June 11th release date instead of this coming weekend after Toei Animation got hacked last month. Um, I'll go ahead and skip the China numbers this week since COVID numbers, uh, you know, these numbers are COVID impacted and, you know, Fantastic Beasts is still on top of the charts. Nothing really new uh, up in just because of the press and because of the uh, lockdowns. 
Beyond the numbers, at least box office numbers, a couple more headlines I want to cover real quick. Um, on the Disney Marvel side, it looks like three weeks prior to release, Doctor Strange has about $28 million in pre-sales, most likely indicates about a 190 to 210 million opening weekend, which would be pretty fantastic. Uh, given the first film made $230 million in its entire run um, and opened only to $85 million, I would say that's a pretty good opening if it hits you know, $200 million. Um, and if it opens north of that, it would be only the ninth film of all time to ever do so, joining five other MCU films two Star Wars films and Jurassic World. Uh, meanwhile, the next MCU film is already in the pipeline with Thor Love and Th Thunder having its trailer released this weekend. It looks like it's hit 209 million views in 24 hours, which is the sixth highest behind uh, No Way Home's 355 million, uh, two Endgame trailers, uh, Infinity Wars teaser and The Lion King teaser. Um, so again, promising signs that Thor Love and Thunder will be doing pretty well. Uh, meanwhile, Turning Red continues as the number one film on streaming ahead of The Adam Project, which has become Netflix's fourth most watched film this week. Um, but speaking of Netflix, things aren't as kind of them this week as they were to Disney. Uh, much like Facebook a couple of weeks ago, um, and you know they had a huge loss after losing uh, the first quarter ever where Facebook lost daily average users, Netflix in its most recent earnings uh, sold a loss of about 200,000 users, subscribers, in the first quarter of this year, the first loss in over a decade. Um, they blaming password sharing and increased competition um, as well as Russian war in Ukraine, but you know, also warned of losses of up to 2 million users in Q2. Um, so as a result, in an attempt to combat this, you know, Netflix is looking to, one, uh, crack down on, on, on uh, password sharing, which I don't think is going to work the way they want it to. Um, uh, they're planning on cut back on how much they're spending uh, on production as a result of this. Um, and then they're, looking to, they're potentially going to be rolling out a lower-priced ad-supported model after years of resisting the idea. Um, but yeah, so that's definitely uh, that's definitely a thing that's happening over with Netflix. And I think kind of points to kind of the the inherent... Uh, financial situation that you know, you know, you can't really run a, a movie studio off of um, purely streaming numbers at this point, just because of like the constant need, especially the police Wall Street, of just how much uh, constant user growth you have to do. Um, that's not something that's easy to, to grow or even maintain. So, um, yeah, I think that's something that that you know, if you want the budget for big films, I don't think it's going to come from a streaming only model. That said, Sony did have a couple of films announced coming to the platforms, um, animated K-pop film Demon Slayers from Sony, as well as Sony's uh, Man from Toronto starring Kevin Hart. Um, but, you know, this is perhaps swing, signal a swing back from uh, theaters, and at least in some small way, um, at least according to the NATO, which is, you know, not the military alliance in, Northern, you know, in the North Atlantic, but uh, the North American theater owners group, uh, they seem to think, think so in a statement they put out, which is the usual stuff of, you know, industry people saying the industry is good doing good. Um, now, that being said, there was a study from the website Network of Fandom uh, who asked their users, you know, what they value in streaming platforms and how much they would pay for them. On average, you know, the average streaming value was about $746 monthly, uh, Netflix at $1060, HBO Max at $930, Disney Plus at $920, Hulu, Amazon Prime $860, Apple TV $690, and Paramount Plus $680, oh, and Peacock at $550. Um, kind of the, the results from the study also show that that genre was a key differentiator between platforms, with Disney Plus being the lead genre leader the day which kind of uh sows in the fact that they are the ones kind of like with the momentum at the moment uh speaking of genre it looks like warner brothers with the new leadership from discovery may be contemplating overhauling the way dc entertainment is run the long and short of it is that you know they're considering spinning out dc under its own vertical underneath the warner brothers discovery umbrella as opposed to having it live under the warner brothers studio as it does now uh, kind of like how marvel is part of disney but it does not report up to the disney studio where they make like you know, Princess and the Frog and and 
Pixar films and all that. It's its own thing. And I think that is kind of like what they're doing here uh, or they want to do here with DC. You know, I, I, I of course, there are, there are things considered like how it integrate with other forms of entertainment, like the video game division. But all things considered, I think it can't be worse than what they've done so far with the, with the standard verse for DCEU. So hey, if, if they haven't tried it yet, why not try and, and see if they can turn it around that way? Uh, to end this episode, though, not really a box office thing, but if you do remember, Blue Sky Studios, the animation studio behind Ice Age, was part of the deal when Disney acquired uh, Fox. Uh, managing three animation studios, you know, Disney's animation studios, uh, Pixar, uh, and then now uh, Blue Sky, uh, kind of was just not worth it for Disney, so they ended up uh, clo officially closing production on the studio April 10th. Um, however, some, no, they had a, uh, they had a, no, the last thing they put out, I think, was a uh, sword series on Disney Plus called, um, you know, uh, Scratch Stories featuring the eponymous, uh, um, you know, lawsuit-driven uh, squirrel thing from Ice Age mascot um, raising a kid. But then on top of that, right, um, they also had a, some animators came together in the last few days of the studio to uh, put together a small animation of Scratch finally achieving his dream of getting uh, the acorn. Now, having grown up seeing the Ice Age movies, you know, at least the first one, uh, maybe the second one too, um, you know, seeing him finally reach his dream was, I'm not going to lie, kind of a Emotional. So um, salute to you, Scrat. Uh, may you always have the acorns you want. Um, with that, I think that's a wrap for this episode. You can shoot me ideas for what else I should be covering via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. Our shows on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. You soon can subscribe, leave a review, share it with a movie-loving friend, any of that helps. Consider supporting us on Patreon as well. Links to all that will be in our show notes. Numbers used in the show come from dnumbers.com, into an audio music from Kevin MacLeod. His stuff is incompetent of Mr.io. Editing production by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch Podcast. And remember, our watch goes on. Thank you